Good morning and afternoon, fellow Gooners. Welcome to another episode of Canon Talk. Compliments of the season to all of the listeners. Hope you guys are doing great. Um, I'm your host, morning, my co-host as usual, Aiden. I don't guys. Compliments of the season. Arsenal, uh, end of the year, taking on a Brighton side that, you know, have been quite solid um, this season and always, you know, kind of given us a, a run for our money. Yeah, I mean, a daunting trip to the South Coast to play our bogey side, Brighton. Uh, but for uh, Gabriel Jesus, Arteta had, you know, roughly the strongest side that you could actually put out there. Uh, in goal was Ramsdale. The back four consists of White, Saliba, Gabriel and Zinchenko. In midfield, we had party and Xhaka. And, and I don't know, like, look, we're still going to get out to review the game. But I don't, for me, it felt almost like Xhaka and, and party were playing more as a a double holding with, uh, you know, partnership with Odegaard just in front of them. And then, of course, we had uh, Saka and Ketia and Martinelli. So what's your take of like, the way the, the midfielders were set up? I think it was, it was good because I think we just needed to kind of, you know, solidify ourselves against a side that, you know, have, have been very difficult for us to beat. So mm-hmm. I think it was important to kind of get that foundation correct and, and you know, not concede or or just keep ourselves in the game against the side that, like I said, we notoriously struggled against. Yeah, and I mean, look, uh, Brighton also into the game, um, missing some key players, as we mentioned last week. Uh, McAllister still on the, that extended uh, break with, like, you know, after Argentina winning the World Cup. Then you had Danny Welbeck, and they had, I think, also a knock uh, leading up to this uh, match. And then you had uh, that Saicedo, who was out with a suspension. And I mean, one of the linchpins in defence, uh, Adam Webster, he was out also with a serious knock uh, going into the game. So the game kicks off. Um, Arsenal, you know, immediately start exploding into life. Uh, Lamptey ends up trying to run the ball out of the Brighton defence. Parton gets in with a fantastic tap, uh, tackle. He, you know, just makes a tackle. Up on his feet again, gets up and spreads the ball wide to, to really start the Arsenal attack. He starts spreading the ball out wide to Martinelli, then starts driving the ball. At the uh, Brighton box, he then comp- uh, uh, lines up, takes a shot with the, that goes right to deflections and lands right at Saka's feet, who then composes himself and he plants a ball wide of Sanchez in goal and into the net and one or Arsenal go lightning fast. Yeah. What a start, a start that you and I, you know, kind of always been talking about, but uh, very, very good goal by Arsenal. And I think, um, like you said, Party did excellently well with that interception. Um, but yeah, Saka, you know, we we, we we speak about it how he needed to add goals to his game to make him a bit more dangerous. And I mean, boy, is he doing that. I think he's, he's got some important goals for us this season. And um, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's just keeping on that run going. Yeah. Then fourth minute, fantastic work on the Arsenal left this time. Uh, sees Martinelli feed. Sanchenko the ball. Uh, Sanchez comes out to smother the danger, but... You know, it's all Arsenal at the moment. Then eighth minute, Arsenal, uh, you know, the movement at times was really scary to watch. The way, the way they were trying to not only spread the play, but also Leo, um, the Brighton, uh, you know, look, Brighton were playing also sort of high press. And Arsenal were just trying to get them further and further out before, you know, springing counters on them. But I mean, it was fantastic to watch the way the ball got cycled from the defence through to the midfield and then out to the attack. It's like Brighton had no answers to Arsenal and it was such a good sight to see. I mean, being in mind, we, we I don't think we made mention to it, being in mind that, you know, Man City just dropped two points. 
before kickoff. So I'm sure the tails were up and, and, and to be performing the way we were performing, it was, you know, positive signs for us. You know, I was watching the, the like, almost like a kind of split, split screen. I was watching a bit of the Man City game against Everton, as well as the uh, Newcastle Leeds match or Leeds Newcastle match. Um, and I mean, I tell you, after a while, like my stomach started turning here, getting close to the 15th minute, they were um, for, for 15 minutes ago at the City game. And I mean, at, at one point, I'm like, you know, I'm like trying to wall in everything was on in a way, but then I'm thinking it was a whole time in the back, you know, on the back burner, like, City's going to get themselves out of this. I just know it, it it's sickening. So, I mean, I switch over to the Newcastle game. And every time in the top corner of the screen, they just flash, they keep flashing the score. And like my son and I are watching the game, and, and at one point I tell him, to look, just stop telling me to look there, like in the corner. Man. Because then when it got the close to 90 minutes, or, or that was like sort of the early game. And then they had like some like, what, 11 minutes injury time? Yes. I mean, that, that, there's all like knots on it in my stomach. Yeah. Whenever I get to see that at FT full time, they were the name by, by the name because I think most of the other games already uh, completed and their game was still running. And I mean, by the time I like, immediately the, the satellite feed that I was watching, they jumped over immediately to the final, like, I think four or five minutes of the city game was like, you know, deep into, into the time. And I mean, with that, that, that full time whistle went, I could feel that tense as I should leave my shoulders. <laughs> You, you felt probably more tense than uh, with the, the Arsenal-Brighton game with the start yeah. that we had compared to, you know, that City-Everton game where you were, like, holding on for dear life. Yeah. So, 16-minute, uh, like, back to the Brighton game, um, they started coming into life, Lamptey, the stuff surging forward. He ends up cutting the ball uh, back to Trossard, who was up to then quite quiet, but I mean, he, like, he sprung into life. And it simply took a shot. I mean, I first thought, like, a hit and hope shot. But when I started seeing the ball starting to cause trouble to for Amsdale, and I mean, he had to then spread himself on the ground and, and palm the ball away for a corner. And that just shows the importance of kind of um, turning your your good chances into, you know, a better advantage to double your lead because, I mean, yeah. at 1-0, it, it seems still a bit shaky. And I mean, you know, we, we are playing our, we're playing our socks of tiring ourselves out as well. And you need to make that advantage count. Yeah. Then 24th minute, uh, Robert Sanchez ends up flapping at the Arsenal corner. Brighton manages to clear, but I mean, it's also done very half-heartedly. So the ball ends up going straight to Thomas Partey. He ends up teeing up his shot, letting it up. And uh, the ball ends up getting flicked off the uh, Brighton defender for a corner. But Arsenal showing the intent to really push on, even though, you know, uh, Brighton was, uh, was starting to come into the game again. Yeah, Thomas Partey, uh, goal, of the, goal of 2022. I mean... Uh, the guys really started to find the back of the net. And I thought, you know, this would have been uh, another chance for him to end of the year on high. Yeah. Then 26 minutes, Brighton in full flow and looking in a dangerous solid march. Ends up squaring a, a pass. The ball, of course, goes over everybody's head, even the Arsenal defenders. But as the ball gets, you know, flung back into the box again, Saliba ends up clearing the ball straight to uh, Gross. Pascal Gross, who ends up seeing his pile driver tip over the crossbar by Rams. So, very sloppy by Saliba. Yeah, Saliba, I think, you know, because of the, the World Cup, he hasn't had much much game time. But I think everybody else was either, you know, playing in these warm-up games or playing for their countries. 
I think Saliba was left almost in the cold, so he yep. must to like kind of refine his form and get that fitness back up again, which you know isn't easy, especially for a guy at, at, or a youngster. Yeah, and I mean, look, he I think he, he's also at a stage in his career now, especially now with with him playing also for a new contract extension. That I mean, he's under more scrutiny now because I mean, at the moment it's like. You know, Gabriel also having to dig him out, or Ben White sometimes having to dig him out when he's making like these little errors. But as you said, I fully agree. I think it's something he will eventually just shrug off. I think it was just that lack of game time. Because I mean, look, training and training matches and actual players, you know, like three different stories. And I mean, yes. getting the first two at, at the World Cup camp for, for France. And I think now you'll actually now, you know, get more into the groove again, the, you know, the Arsenal way. Uh, so back to the match again. Then 30th minute Arsenal, you know, at every attempt, you know, like even like watching it on TV or in the stadium as well, you also sometimes pick up that Arsenal not doing or making every attempt to just attack the the um, right side of of Brighton because Lamptey was almost like at one point getting swarmed because you had Martinelli running at him. Then you had Zinchenko trying to drag him almost like away from Martinelli, and and at times you even had someone like Granit Xhaka also plugging up more to make even more bodies on that flank. Yeah, it was almost like we were overloading them with that side that they, they didn't know how to handle it. And poor Lamptey, like, I've always liked him, but the, yeah. he, he really battled in this game. Yeah, because, I mean, that's exactly what you said. I mean, like, even at that one point, I mean, I, I, I mean, I just burst out laughing. We, um, I don't know if it was, like, early in the first half, also, we, um, we had a corner. And they, like, Lamptey is one of the shortest players of Brighton, and they had him mark, I don't know if it was Gabriel or something like that. And I said, I... <laughs> But the, 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 yeah, the height disadvantage was so obvious. To see. I mean, it really had me chuckling. Um, then the ninth minute, again, a sucker corner causing problems as Brighton failed to fully clear the ball. Odegaard is alive to the opportunity and ends up firing a half volley into the ground with a bounce beating the keeper and loops past the hapless uh, Sanchez and also got 2 0 up just before the break. Goon is in dreamland. Yeah, no, definitely in dreamland. And I think. You know, Odegaard has, has really grown in leaps and bounds. I mean, you know, I I questioned the decision to make him captain. You know, I could put my hand up for that. And even when we signed him initially, but it just seems he's grown more and more into his role. I think even Wenger said it reminds him almost of a, a Cesc Fabregas. It's, it's kind of, you know, what what we would have wanted Ozil to to be, but yeah, yeah. You know, it didn't turn out being in terms of that physical side of the game as well. Someone who can... You know, also rise up to the challenge away from home. And, you know, it's going to put a lot of pressure on Emil Smith, though, when he, when he does decide, not decide, when he gets, like, you know, proper fit to, to find a way back into the side. Yeah, I fully agree with you. And especially, I mean, like now with, with you know, the various uh, transfer links also. Because uh, for me at the time, it also seems that Arteta is also uh, building a team that uh, can accommodate, not accommodate really, but, can 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 uh, be almost like a, a, a almost like, yeah like a supplement or supplementary type player where if you know you can't say depend on 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 Smith Rose fitness you're gonna maybe if if it goes through you're gonna have a Mudrik there yes. somebody to back up and I mean like, at the moment Vieira has also shown he can be a, like an able deputy to to Odegaard if he's yeah. but even though Arteta is trying to switch him more out wide when he does play. But I mean, I just uh, see what you said. Smith Rowe could get like kind of tight for him if if he don't get his fitness and not even check. I mean, the good news is he has been training since I think last Thursday with the first team, like in match training. 
So I think we could probably see him, you know, take one of those slots with one of the youngsters or maybe on the Arsenal bench. Um, in the 45th minute, like, you know, leading up to halftime, Anthony Taylor kind of loses a bit of control of the match because he ends up booking Gabriel, Party, and uh, Gilmore of, of Brighton in a space of like two minutes. And, and I mean, it wasn't like really for, it was more just silly fouls. It wasn't like really aggressive stuff that he was now blowing up for. But I mean, I thought that's a typical of, you know, Anthony Taylor wanting just to draw the attention back on himself again. Um, going into the second half, 47th minute, Trossard ends up losing the ball in the Arsenal penalty box. Arsenal immediately spring on the on the counter attack in a you know lightning speed again. The ball gets played to Martinelli who gets past Lamptey, and he ends up just blasting a, a low shot across goal. The keeper manages to palm the ball away, but I mean only to Nketiah ends up tapping the ball in three 0 Arsenal. Nketiah, you know, I think I should slate him more in my, on the podcast because it seems like he's scoring every week so i don't know if that you know say now i wasn't impressed with his performance you know you'll prove us wrong again but i mean you know two goals in two games for for yeah. nketi i think you one has to you know put your hand up and say okay you know yeah. two games two goals i mean and his work rate has been quite good i think um you know maybe perhaps you know maybe he can can carry on this form and and maybe he can also put a bit of not that jesus needs pressure on you but just kind of to show that, you know, someone else is waiting in the wings to to kind of put his chances away. But it's almost like Nketiah struggles with this competition. It's like he, it's almost like he needs to know he's going to be the, the, the number one striking choice and there mustn't be somebody that's going to come on for him in the 60th minute if he doesn't perform. He just needs that freedom, I think. Yeah, it looks a lot like it. I'm fully agree with it. The 51st minute, Mitoma trying to get uh, you know, Brighton back in the game. And I mean, look, he had also a fantastic World Cup, if anyone can remember Japan's performances at the World Cup. Uh, but, I mean, up to then in the match, so far, Ben White was, you know, keeping him well in check. Then 56 minute Gunners, you know, at the grind shot or laying every pass by Arsenal. And, I mean, you can see uh, Brighton at one point also just chase, chasing uh, shadows. Then on the hour mark, change up for Arsenal, Ben White and Zincheko coming off. Tom Yasu and Tierney coming on. And, I mean, 61st minute, immediately one could also notice that Tomiyasu was really sluggy on the ball. And I mean, all of a sudden, his compatriot Mitoma was, I mean, getting the better of him constantly on the over, whether it's an overlap run or coming inside. Uh, the likes of Tomiyasu and even Saliba with his sort of form, they just weren't coming to grips with him. Yeah, I don't know. Did they ever make mention what the decision the reason was for those changes? Or did they, uh, did, did, was it just the Arteta thought the guy was in the bag and thought, you well, maybe give a few minutes to, you know, the guys. That, I mean, we always complain that he that he doesn't, he makes his substitutes too late. So, yeah, he was at least giving about, what, 25 minutes to the guys? Yeah, look, that is actually exactly what he said at the press conference. Because he said uh, the likes of, like, especially Tommy also needed the minutes in his legs. Since he didn't get that much football anyway, um, so it's like with you know with a delay with him coming back, and also like they were thinking also of of the, the Tuesday night match against Newcastle at the Emirates, so they did not always like you know let the guys run themselves flat like it. But I just think to myself, I mean I don't know how you feel or even the listeners feel, but I like my take was when I saw how the things were not playing out like from the moment that fullbacks got changed like that because look the dis- defense looked very comfortable, didn't look stressed or sweating in at all. 
But it's not like with the minute he changed the fullbacks, we looked struggling on the left. We looked like we were struggling on the right. And uh, I was just thinking also uh, that it reminded me a lot of that Old Trafford match where we're just getting ourselves back in the game against Man United uh, at that one uh, at that point when nothing Saka scored. And then all of a sudden he makes this, this drastic changes, Arteta, and then all of a sudden the game just gets, you know, we just get blown away by Man United and then the game gets taken away from us. And I, I was, in a way, a bit worried about it, especially now with 65th minute where uh, Gilmore ends up passing to Gross, who ends up feeding Matoma and, and Saliba and Tomiyasu. Again, get it wrong, and none of them pick up Matoma and he darts in, and for next when he just passed Ramsell, 3-1. Yeah, you can see Ramsdale wasn't impressed with that. And, and you know, unnecessary call. I mean, there's still 25 minutes left. And it, 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 all it takes is, you know, another ball in the box. And it's 3-2 and, and, and you no know, biting your nails. So, you know, silly move for Arteta. I think in this, I mean, you need to kind of see a game out. And I think substituting your defenders is not ideal. But, I mean, you know, players should also be coming in to kind of um, you know, solidify the position if they get the opportunity to. Yeah, that's so true. Um, then the 31st minute, Arsenal again up the tempo. Uh, this time Odegaard sweeps a crossfield pass into Martinelli's path. The Brazilian speedster already goes past Lampty, Lampty. And I mean, he ends up just smashing the ball through Sanchez's legs and Arsenal go 4-1 up. Yeah, I, I thought he was also going to maybe score it. I think it was the sucker was also darting in the park. Yeah, but... yeah. Just shows Martinelli's confidence as well. I think he's also a good finisher under pressure. Martinelli's not somebody that's a good finisher, you know, but he's not, I think he's improved in it yeah. because be- before he used to be somebody that if he has too much time on his hands, it's almost like he, he, he fluffs his shot, but the moment, you know, he's bearing down and there's a player on him, he finishes very well. And, and Odegaard's pass reminded me of Fabregas as well, you know, in his. In his prime at Arsenal, where he would just look up and hit the ball into the gap. Yeah. Then, 74th minute, uh, Thomas Party comes off, and then he comes on. Uh, 77th minute, Saliba ends up getting himself again in a lot, in all sorts of trouble from a, a Brighton long ball. Um, he ends up, you know, losing the losing out to uh, the substitute youngster of Brighton, Evan Ferguson, who ends up in just stabbing the ball under Ramsdale's body, and the uh, game goes 4 2. And you could visibly see Ramsdale's anger there because he flipped his hands afterwards, like, you know, almost saying, like, come on, like, what the heck, what the hell, guys? And you could see another thing of Saliba there, you know, where the lack of game time is, is really, you know, hampered his, I wouldn't say progress, but, you know, that kind of put a blip of it in his season this past two games. Yeah, because, I mean, I had this that he was going to go, you know, the safety first route and not, not try to you know, deal with the ball, like, at his feet. Just, you know, just hoof it into touch because, look, you're winding the game down. You're trying to also get full control of the game. And then you make a, you know, a, a sort of blunder like that. Yeah, no, and, and I think my, my nerves started also, you know, kicking in a bit. Yeah. You know, because just, just that, I mean, 4-2, like I said, it takes one goal and then suddenly, you know, you you you, you maybe lose control of a game and... And to throw a 4-1 lead away, you know, you don't know what it could do to a team mentally. And I mean, Arsenal fans all know, I mean, you do get that flash, that, that sweaty flashbacks of Newcastle Arsenal back in the day when we were 4-0 up against them and we ended up drawing 4-1. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I had 
those sort of feelings because you could only see the momentum was was going uh, Brighton's way. The you know the crowd. I mean, give them also props. You know the the, the MX crowd. They were you know really getting that stadium rocking. I mean, you can see Arsenal were just holding out. Was look, I think there was a lot of running in our gameplay. The team, everything was fast, which we always wanted. But I think that last part when they when they needed you know to have their foot more on the ball and control, that all went out of the window with the subs because. Everybody was kind of panicked. The, the team, the structure looked a bit, you know, <clears throat> at odds and ends. And then that was what I mean. Then I mean, Arsenal ended up uh, bringing um, Odegaard off, Holding coming on. But I mean, the, the, the sense, even with Holding then on, also felt nervy because, uh, as I now mentioned, 89th minute, we looked tired and jittery. Mitoma ends up netting the ball again. And this time, I mean, I mean, as my heart is like going to different palpitations and that. <laughs> And I mean, luckily, VAR then gives uh, Anthony Taylor a message like to, you know, just recheck everything. And then they end up finding out that Mitomo was like a bit offside and uh, goal got ruled off. You're lucky for us because it could have been a long, what is it, seven minutes it was added. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, 92nd minute, Brighton, you know, throwing, throwing everything forward. But even Arsenal by then now uh, started taking better control now, the ball, taking better care of the ball. And I mean, it's three points to Arsenal, and with you know, with the other results of earlier the day, Arsenal goes seven points clear. Yeah, I know that gap just needs to get bigger and bigger and bigger where we can, you know, where we can, where we can just yeah, hold on to it for dear life because I think you know, there's obviously going to be probably a time when we where there might be flips here and there, but the bigger we can make the gap, you know, before Champions League kicks in, because then you know. It's like Man City's eye will almost start looking for the Champions League because, like I, like I made mention to it, if it ever comes down to it, you know, I think City won't. Obviously, they would want to win, I think, a third title in a row. But I'm sure also, if if you offered a City fan, you know, a season to not win the Premier League or play it to not win the Premier League and take the Champions League glory, I'm sure even Pep will say, okay, you know what? Let me take the Champions League for City. I mean, if you think of it, I mean, before the. Um... The Champions League, you know, restarts again. I mean, they also have some tricky fixtures coming up. I mean, they've got uh, two matches in a row against uh, Chelsea, uh, like Thursday the 5th and then Sunday the 8th. And, and then, um, okay, they're away to Southampton in the EFL Cup. You don't know, you know how that goes. And then, I mean, 14th of January, the, uh, January they end up playing uh, Manchester Derby at Old Trafford. Oh, yeah, that's actually going to be an interesting game. I mean, be... Sorry, I mean, I don't want to go too far for like, especially for us since we got this whole trend the way we're doing it. But I mean, I think January is going to be the toughest month for both City and Arsenal. Really tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yo, I mean, I'm just looking at it now, actually. Just like, you know, not that we're going far ahead, but there's like yeah. you know, Newcastle, Oxford United, Tottenham, and Man United, um, Tottenham and Man United. But, um, you know, the, the crucial thing is it's almost like these fixtures cancel each other out because we play, yeah, yeah. As, we, as, we, as, we, as we will get into it now, is we, we play Newcastle the same week, the same time as, um, the same game week as um, City plays Chelsea at the bridge and they go to Old Trafford. Um, City, that is, when we go to, you know, the Tottenham Stadium. So it's like those games kind of cancel each other out and, and you know, whoever can kind of, if we can almost walk out of those two games with, you know, kind of four points with City or, you know, like almost like a, a one or two point uh, better off than them, it will be quite excellent. But 
you know, that being said, we take on a Newcastle side who, you know, we kind of owe one for what they did to, to us last season in the in the in that for the Champions League spot. Yeah, I mean, I think like you know, a real big test for us again. But I mean, each I mean, if you think of those last few games itself, it's almost like uh, you know, on our way to wanting you know to play for it all, you know, for the ultimate prize. I mean, we had now game like on, on the like, what's it last Monday where we uh, were one nil down against West Ham and it, you know roll up our sleeves and grind out the uh, result. Then you take the the game against Brighton where we, as we said earlier, bogey side always badly when we go down to the south coast and play them. You know, managed to pass that. Now next up we now have Newcastle. Even though okay, yes, Eberts, but I mean. What you now said, we do owe them one because I mean the way they derailed that whole season, like uh, last season, by that, that that getting the result. And I mean, if you think of it, though, that game also, what what kind of frustrated me was they didn't really come out to play. It's not like we ended up making our own errors that led to them just finishing off, finish, finishing us off, and then you know shutting the game down, parking the bus, and and there was not like no way we didn't also have the sort of firepower or the sort of. Uh, midfielders we have now that can now you know break those sort of chains now that you know when the team's on the shut up shop. Yeah, no, it's it's. I'm actually looking forward to a game as well because it's a big test for Arsenal as well. I think Newcastle, you know, they've beaten Tottenham away from home this season. They've they've drawn against City. I think they drew to United at Old Trafford. Yeah, I mean they they just just lost to to um. Liverpool, where Liverpool had like a 97th minute winner or something like that, yeah. and it's, it's it's not going to be an easy side to to be. I think Newcastle they beat Chelsea as well, eh? This season, so. But I mean, if you think about Newcastle, the last defeat for them was the 31st of August. So oh. that's a game you just mentioned, and so just tells you what sort of run they've been on. Because I mean, they 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 you know they they. Yeah, it was sort of like, look, as I wrote last week also, Almiron is all like their linchman, everything goes through him. So, I think that guy would probably be the main one to to, to kind of stop or nullify or frustrate. And then, of course, Gimaraj, because, I mean, he's come from, from Liga, and, I mean, the, the sort of form he's brought into the, and the, yeah, the form and energy he brought to the team, he's a, one hell of a danger. Man. And, I mean, honestly, I did not think that much of him before. Like, when, when he came in, because, look, when I had to be missed out and... and he wasn't like mocking Arsenal now for you know missing out on him and that. And I thought like you know what's the hype train is this? But then you get to see him and you see what he also causes. Like if you can, also, like as I said, if you can stop Kimmerings and 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 Almiron from playing, I mean all of your job was done there. Yeah, and it's, I think Arsenal need to make this home ground advantage count because they have this opportunity now almost of of going almost at first. Against you know Man City, you know they're always points on the board. So, I mean, you get it right against Newcastle, and you put, you know, get the three points. Suddenly, you have a ten-point gap with Man City, yeah. and you have to go to Stamford Bridge, where you know even a, a a draw will do at Stamford Bridge. You know, if 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 Chelsea pick up a draw, but I mean, you know, you the, the opportunity is there to go ten points clear and say so like you know. Go and go go beat Chelsea at Stamford Bridge if you wanna, you know, stay within, you know, touching distance of us because, you know, it. I'm not saying it, it becomes clear, but I mean, you, you know, you become ten points clear and almost any 
any point City drops thereafter, it becomes golden. And I mean, like, we also need, you know, to, to if you take our national this Newcastle, take also a page of how Leeds played the Magpies, because, uh, I don't, like, at the moment, I don't think the Newcastle have really been tested. I mean, look, okay, they're now to hold the team at bay, but you saw when they really got pushed by Man City, they ended up shipping three goals. And I just think to myself, if, if we can, uh, you know, be tight at the back, more focused than we were now, you know, the latter part of the Brighton game, we can actually take the game to them and then see that we kind of, like, you know, really push them to the max because Chelsea looked very uh, thin when they played uh, uh, Newcastle. Uh, also, with that, that, that Liverpool game, look, Liverpool had to sweat and grind for that uh, to get that, that result. And some of the other teams that they've played against, they know exactly how to control the game. And I think that thing we have to surpass and, and, and give them a sort of game that they don't really expect or come across every week, doing something like that. Yeah, I think we also need to maybe strike quick, you know, even if we hit one or two goals against it, almost that was deflate because I think, yeah. like you said, um, they are very much on a high Newcastle because I'm sure for those who also, you know, like enjoy betting, they've, Newcastle's probably been one of the reliable sides that, are, that always seem to be getting the points, you know, no yeah. matter who they play, no matter where they play. So, you know, hopefully, you know, we can, can prove a point, beat, Newcastle, third place, Newcastle, and, you know, open up a, a nice, healthy lead at the top of the table and telling City, you know, over to you. And I mean, Newcastle have one of the, the toughest defences in the league. I mean, uh, 17 games played, 11 conceded. And, and Arsenal are like 16 games played, 14 conceded. So, I mean, it's going to take a lot of, I mean, you can Man City, they even got like 16 conceded. So it just shows you how, how Eddie Howe, his real focus is with that team. You know, I must admit, I must give you, you credit. I mean, there was times where you said, you know, maybe Eddie Howe should, could, could come into Arsenal. You know, I think at this time when, when, when Emre's future was in doubt, and we were like talking about Eddie Howe, and I was always like, you know, no ways. I mean, he's at Bournemouth, I don't think anything special really. But I mean, if you look at, what he's done with this Newcastle side. And I mean, yes, he has spent, but he also hasn't like just blown money unnecessarily. There's been method to his madness where he has spent and he's, where he's also, you know, transformed players. Good look at Almer on as well. I mean, oh, yeah. Jack, Jack really made fun of him at the end of last season and look at him now. Yeah. Yeah, but look, look I don't want to just say, oh, yeah, I want to take credit or whatever. But I mean, I always thought, I mean, a lot of managers, uh, in my opinion, if you give them like the right amount of money and the right players, there is something in there that you're going to see because there's no use you're going to have, say, uh, somebody come with a sort of ego and the reputation like Frank Lampard, and then that guy don't really have a clue on how he's spending money. And that's how you saw him. So he was, uh, you know, floundering in these uh, various stints that he had on the sideline. We, someone like Eddie Howe, nobody would just thought all that, oh, yeah, he's former Bournemouth coach. He don't have that or this or whatever to his credentials. And it just shows you, I mean, he shows it now with that, that money that, that um, after the new ownership came in there at Newcastle. Uh, he's also, uh, you can actually see a sort of project that he's building there. Because uh, <clears throat> that's what I don't get. I mean, it's not just a bit off topic. But when I see this media love in with, with, with uh, Ten Hag, then I'm thinking, are you now saying it for your, almost like your love or your, your affinity to United? Or are you actually watching a, a team like United really? Because 
yes, he gets results, and he's not. I mean, when you watch him, they're not really a team that you want to watch. If, I mean, I, this is not okay, my opinion, but I'm just asking you now. So, if you watch United play, is it like, is there anything that you see that really appeals to you? I mean, you have those little flashes they get, yeah. But I mean, for consistent, like, you know, smooth, total, like total football plus entertainment and results, do you even see that in, in, in a side like this? No, no, no. I think they, they they play almost like a mid-table side that always looking to just hit you on the counter attack, and they 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 rely very much on moments to beat the team, like you know Rashford being on form or Bruno Fernandes free kick or through ball, or they, like you know they they don't seem like a side that I mean they're in the top four now. I mean they 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 almost kind of third place if I mean if they win the game in hand, so. Yeah. You know, they, 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 I don't know, he, he seems to be doing something there, but it's not, you know, almost, I can I say that brilliant football that they are playing. I think, one of the, as I said, you know, one of the football purists of United, like the fan base, will be, you know, they, they're fine with it, but they're not really happy with it, like with what they see. Because, um, look, you always know, like a Fergie team, and that they were, you know, all football. They would like literally play into, into submission in it, but. With, with United, something like they they just like it's like watching a thief or like a opportunist thief. They're just looking like for a little smash and grab, smash and grab, and then they off again. Yeah, because I mean the United side, if they go one or up, it's almost like it's game over because they they almost have to see the game out on the spot with the, the moment they they get you to um, to one nil. But um, yeah, no, there's nothing great about the side, but I mean they're picking up the points, which is all you need to do at sometimes at the end of the day. But wow, Erling Haaland is 21 goals already this season, yeah. and yet we still top spot. So you know who knows what could happen if they. I mean we've lost our key striker in Jesus. You know, no, who knows what happens if a guy like Haaland misses two to three games. Yeah. So um, now we get to the talking point section of the podcast. Um, it's FA Cup weekend coming up. I mean, the next part we either going to do Thursday or Friday. We'll just decide. So yeah. um, then I'll probably also delve a bit deeper into our next opponents, Oxford. Um, now go to the next part of the, the talking point section. You know, like, this is not what you touched. It. I don't want to put my mouth too much into it when you were explaining stuff. Um, that, you know, our criticism on Kitty and um, it's not like it's coming to bite us now, and I mean, we saw this happen now with the words of Odegaard already. Yeah. So yeah, we saw it happen also with, I think, one of two other players, so we end up just over party, I think. We always just end up laughing at the end of it, but yeah, I mean, it's really coming to bite us. Um, then also I have to bring up a, a topic to you about uh, this evolution of Martinelli. I mean, look, I was watching a bit of, uh, I'm like re-watching All or Nothing again, and when you watch him, in that you can see he's almost like just somebody on the edge, but not really too much uh, focus of you know the first team setup. Yes, he was getting his starts every now and then, but that was more rotation uh, factor. Or by the time the squad was getting minimized, you know, like getting very small, and he was not getting some game time. But you would always just see him on the peripheral edges of the squad. And you look at him now, it's almost like he's just exploded to this like a superstar. Yeah, I know he's probably one of the first names on the team sheet, and. He's probably one of our most dangerous players with the likes of Saka because of his, his raw blistering pace he has that gets him past players and 
you know, you you kind of see that reminds me of Ronaldo in his day. But I mean, he's getting his goals, he's getting on the score sheet, and you know, he's doing everything right. He's a he's a handful to deal with as well. I mean, Lamptey is no slouch, but I mean, he really gave him trouble. The next point I want to bring up is also the impact of Martin Odegaard because I just think, look, when he became captain of the club, I mean, look, you and I were, but you know, tentative. Okay, look, we did know okay, he's a, a, the captain of Norway and that, and but I like I was really thinking to myself, is this now really the right choice? Because there were moments where you and I used to have also, we, like you know, we had our gripes with him where we felt there were certain games we wasn't like shying away. When, when, you know, when things get dirty in the center of midfield or, you know, he needs to toughen up. And I mean, he, for me, there again, he proved us wrong because he's, he's starting to be a bigger impact. You can actually see the sort of respect he carries along with that a captain's armband. And when you see what we had before with, with Aubameyang, it's like you're watching night and day, the way things have changed, like his attitude also as a captain. You don't see when he has to come off, he's going to kick up a stop or whatever. He knows that I've now ran my race. Let somebody else fresher come in and, and kick on. Yeah, he's a very humble and modest person. Like, I mean, if you co- compare him to like a likes of a Bamiang, and he, he's he's a leader. He's not like a like a icon type player, no flashy with with, with the latest cars, the latest this, the latest that. He's a hardworking player, yeah. and everybody follows that type of almost it's, that that ethic work. work ethic. Is that's the word I'm looking for? So. You know, it's, it's somebody that the, some of the players looks up to in the team. And I think, you know, Arsenal shouldn't be... I mean, we need experience in yeah. the like sign a player, but we shouldn't bring in a player that's going to come in with the attitude. We should be... like That's why that Woodrick player is yeah. a good type of signing for us because he's a young player and Arteta can mould him to be, you know, something. And I mean, you can see... Uh, Odegaard is also somebody he listens when 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 his team talks to him. But he, they also you can see they are quiet when he you know explains things to them or, or what he expects when he tells them. And also when you when you see when there's incidents where our players are getting clattered, Obama used to shy away and something like Jaka used to step in to to talk to the official. Whereas you see he makes it go to the ref and ask like why is this or why is that been done or why why is the call like this? And I mean it, it shows just shows his sort of maturity already by now. Yeah, and I must also give, you know, big up to Gannett Xhaka. It seems like the, I don't know, like, what happened to him. It's like he's, he matured overnight. Yes, sometimes he still does silly things here and again, but I don't know. He, he seems to have a cooler head. He seems to be a bit more mature. I don't know what Arteta said to him or, or, or what's changed in the player because he seems, like I said, you know, he, a few seasons ago, we would have, you know, we, we would need to say goodbye to Xhaka and now he's become a pivotal player in our squad. And I mean, he, he's, like, there's certain aspects of his game that reminds you a lot of Gilberto. He's playing, but you don't take note of him there because, I mean, he's, he's getting about and doing his job, playing the little intricate passes and that. But it's like, if you don't, like, look on the team sheet or whatever, you won't say he's playing because... He's just silently go about, you know, going about his thing and, and just doing it. And for me, he's excelling in that position. And and I look what was expected of him to to uh, defend in the Brighton game. Then you know his usual attacking sense. He's like right up there with Odegaard on the edge of the box. And I mean, he was constantly threading passes and and making life extremely difficult. Like he meant party making life so difficult for that midfield uh, trio of of, of Brighton. So. 
It's fantastic to watch and then have that sort of choice and variety they have in our team in general. Then the final point I also want to make before we end off. I mean, look, Saka for me has been since post-World Cup immense. I mean, he's brought now sort of life and energy that you and I have been almost like yearning for and wanting him to do. Because if you remember pre-World Cup, and I'm not saying like a week or so, I mean like the month or so or months before the World Cup, there were things where you could see, okay, he was chipping in with a goal, assist or whatever. But it's not that sort of sucker you're now seeing now, when you see him now. Yeah. Like, that sort of high at the end with England, he's almost like brought that sort of form in. He's not, you can see, he's getting his head now down and just driving at people. And I mean, I'm loving it, like watching it, because you can see his opponents are like, like quaking in their boots because they don't know whether to track him out wide or if he's going to start cutting inside. And I mean, once that ball's on his left foot, whether he's going to cross or shoot, I mean, he's going to be a threat. Yeah, I know definitely. Uh, it's, it's good to see that that you know even Martinelli are, are, are honestly making that left left and the right side their own. So yeah, yeah, I mean Saka, we were complaining about he was you know in the start of the season wasn't tracking back at much, doing this, doing that. But you know it's like it's, it's all kicked off and it's it's all happening for us at the moment. Yeah, fully agree. Uh, so. Let's enjoy and look forward to our match against Newcastle tomorrow. It's going to be a hell of a test. Take care, guys. Stay safe and enjoy 2023. Cheers, guys. And have an excellent year. And hopefully it's the year, you know, we can find ourselves back in the Champions League.